We have hope. Hope that things can get better. And they will. You called it Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome to The Bizzle's Daily Rebels. This is season three, episode two or three, depending on how you are counting. They jump right into the discussion of the Sith Holocron, which, you know, it makes sense that Ezra's still kind of obsessed with it. Um, he admits all the reasons why it, it was wrong at the end of the last episode here, obviously, you know, a kid being a kid, he's still asking questions. He probably shouldn't be asking or not. that he shouldn't be asking, but that <laughs> he's not going to get the answers he's looking for. Let's just, let's just put it that way. <clears throat> and, uh, it was a nice twist that the Bendu gets to keep it for a episode, uh, it would have been a lot more effective if the, I bent, had been holding on to the holocron for longer. Um, just in terms of bringing back something that wasn't on your mind right away when you watch the next episode. So they give it to the Bendu for hiding, and then immediately Maul gets involved, and then they need the holocron back. So here's the thing about Darth Maul. We all love him. Sam Witwer's performance is, you know, untouchable. It's spectacular. The fact that Filoni has openly described him, described him to Witwer when he was proposing the job and has explained to us the connections with Gollum, obviously, you know, who's sort of talking to himself and between states of extremely deadly lucidity and just totally zoned out insanity. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, he, he certainly plays up in the character in its own unique way. The problem with the, with, the, with with Maul is Maul with the spider legs initially and everything. Maul should never have worked to come back to life after Episode One. They somehow found a way to not only bring him back to life, but once they get him going in Clone Wars with the, with Mandalore arcs, is you know some of the best television you'll ever get, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. And it, it would make sense to bring him into to Rebels. They had, of course, come up with the Siege of Mandalore storyline that was sort of canon that we had never heard except through the Ahsoka book. It was enough. To, and, he's, and Dave Filoni had described that Star Wars Celebration was obvious enough for me to make my now infamous prediction that this was going to happen um, with the Siege of Mandalore with the Maul, but all the signs were there. And I, I certainly didn't, I wasn't go- going to be able to make that prediction until I had gone back and watched the Clone Wars and Rebels numerous times, as well as read the Ahsoka book. It maybe more than once, actually. I love the Ahsoka book. I could listen to Ashley Eckstein read about Ahsoka all day long. Um, but uh, there's three there's three mall episodes in the season, and they clearly mapped it out. There's going to be right in the beginning with the Holocron to establish further establish connection with Ezra. And then the, you know, the sort of MacGuffin or Deus Ex Machina, whatever you want to call it, would be that it was an incomplete vision, so we need Ezra back again. That gets us to Dathomir and some cool, you know, mind getting taken over stuff, but is is sort of also a bit of a rough episode. And then there's Final Conversation with Obi-Wan, and while everyone loves Twin Sons because the actual short but super dramatic conversation between Maul and Obi-Wan is great... And the logic b- behind why that that happened the way it did, and Ezra going to Tatooine just to lead them all there, I guess so that Obi Wan would 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 eliminate him. It's just like with Yoda sending them to Malachor at the end of season two. It's like 
did Yoda see the small amount of good that would come out of all that misery and suffering? Or did he have a wrong vision that just happened to work out for them eventually with the world between the worlds with Ahsoka coming back, which it wasn't until much later. I mean, there's almost no way even someone like Yoda could have foreseen that if that was even Yoda in the temple to begin with. So, you know, the, the logic of the Maul episodes never adds up, but because of the performances, um, specifically Sam Witwer as Maul, they're always super fun. This is a great scene. As soon as he asks her, quote-unquote, politely to show him around, you're immediately like, okay, he's looking for the holocron, and you know he's going to know what a Jedi quarter looks like immediately because, you know, he's been dealing with Jedis for quite a while. There, you know, the opposite side of the coin of him. This is how he would live, actually. He says it's a, he says it's the, you know, room of the Jedi, but it would be, Hera's a horrible liar. And that was what his room would look like, too. Um, his admiration earlier of Sabine's art uh, teases Grand Admiral Thrawn's obsession, actually, with the heart, the art of Hera's people, the Twi'leks, and um, Sabine's people, the Mandalorians. Although, Sabine's is very specific to her, which is what's so great. It's, it's not just traditional art, which, which we get with Hera. That's mine, Ray, people. I mean, I, 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 I always debate whether to use the word rape, but with what Maul just did there and what, what Kylo's done to Ray and other people and, you know, Vader and certain, you know, um, media... It's different than just a mind trick. A mind trick is a violation, even if it's just give me your coat, which is one of the many interesting little sub things in Jessica Jones is that they have to, Jessica Jones forms a support group for Kilgrave victims, but she finds all these loonies. You're never sure who's just making it up to get attention or just be weird, but, but she's not doing it to help the people. She's doing it to try and get intel, you know, in typical Jessica Jones fashion, even though she's the one that ultimately, whoop, there goes the Bendu. You know, Jessica Jones, of course, should be in therapy. That's a whole nother story. Uh, but there's a guy there who, and I talk about this in my commentary, who just wasn't just was, had to give up his jacket. And so he was Kilgrave for literally five seconds, but it was really traumatizing for that person to have someone else in their head. And, you know, Jessica someone makes fun of him at some point for being like, why are you even here for giving a guy your coat? It's not like you were, you know, raped the way Jessica Jones was or whatever, like actually raped, but it is a type of, of extreme mind violation, but pulling out the info like that, or we saw with, 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 with Maul a couple minutes ago or with, you know, Ray, um, or I should say Kylo doing it to Ray. There's just something that feels like sexual violation, which is rape. In its extreme form. Here comes the trash heap. Uh, it's great. I guess this is the first time we, we see him come out this way. Oh, it's glorious. You get the Lord of the Rings elvish music with the female um, vocals. This guy's great. And I don't know what they... They put his voice through something to make it seem so huge, but also like a part of the... Kind of like it's coming out of the earth. So it's 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 more than binaural. It's like pan oral. So we're getting the sound from all sides, but they still make, want to make. They're still moving his mouth, so you want to hear from his mouth, even while the whole world seems to be speaking to them. I didn't know this dark sider, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
So what does make this these, this holocron uh, three part mall holocron are cool other than the holocrons and other than mall who are already cool to begin with aesthetically and otherwise look at this side shot of the bendu oh man this thing is gorgeous looks like something you'd see in horizon zero dawn all those layers and the hair and the 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 armor or or you're not sure what it's made of is that natural is it is it an animal is it a plant is it a rock it's crazy it's crazy it took this long to get a creature like this in, in Star Wars. And this is the positive thing that Disney brings. Is that, it, like, this is... And, I mean, in, in, in this case... It, I mean, you know, I'm a Disney shell, so this is rarely an insult. But in this case, I really mean this as a compliment to say this is a thing that was obvious to Disney of, like, okay, we've got Star Wars in the Force. Why don't we have more Force creatures? It's not a surprise. In all the movies and TV shows, we're getting way more Force creatures. Not just aliens, like animals. And, you know, from the Silver Foxes and The Last Jedi to the, the Loth Cats and the Loth Wolves here, uh, people love, you know, love animals. You know, Americans love their pets. And so... You know, it's it's such an obvious move to do, and really more interesting than just a lot of humanoid aliens. I mean, the fact that this is not a humanoid alien is one of many things that makes the Bendu so cool and interesting. Because we get used to most or all Force users being either human or close to human. Um, and of course, the wolves, the, the, the Loth wolves... Um, in, in season four, um, also are strong in the force, even if they don't vocalize in quite the same way, they seem to be equally conscious. So Maul's plan is to trick Ezra into helping him kill everybody else, try and make Ezra's apprentice, and if not, go kill Obi-Wan. But Maul's goals are never totally clear. It, they're not clear in the Clone Wars, they're not clear here. And to have such a nihilistic character, I mean, it's different than the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors are just, you know, weaker Vaders, essentially, who are competing with each other and with Vader to, to be the number two to the Emperor, or eventually be the Emperor, you know, in, in their own minds, obviously, um, be the Emperor themselves. M- you know, Maul, as a freelance, heavy dark side user, I guess you would go sheerly nihilistic. I guess I never really thought of it this way, but the Sith is, is a religion in the sense of being a guiding force for, for evil people. An evil religion as a guiding force for evil people, as opposed to just being a... Yeah, he's just a moral to the point... Of, I mean, he's just sadistic. He enjoys causing people pain. And he loves power. But he's not sort of evil in the sort of, yeah, Christian sense. Well, again, Star Wars bucking the trend of everything being Christian in, in, in Western cinema and art and so forth. So they try and break out here. This definitely does not work. Oh, uh, just neck throw Sabine. Chuck's chopper. Yeah, I, I think just to jump back to the mind rape thing, because I'm always trying to figure this out in my own head. In Jessica Jones, I think I'm I'm biased because it's it's so horribly but brilliantly executed with Kilgrave and Jessica Jones, and she is actually raped because she's under his spell when they have sex. So you know that's rape. So in addition to mind rape, so maybe that and but how similar it feels to what it was the first time I saw Ray with Kylo, just. I think it's the extent to which they, how far they look into you too. They're just looking for a specific thought on, on the edges is one thing. I mean, tortures, physical tortures are doing the exact same thing, but until the person spills the beans, they have no way of knowing what's going on in that person's head other than trying to resist the pain or just feel the pain. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's really, really interesting. 
and they've managed to not overuse mind control whatsoever in Star Wars, and that's why I'm, you know, it's like the, the time travel thing. I'm like, guys, I know some of you aren't thrilled that there's time travel in Star Wars. You know, I obviously thought it was inevitable, although I was still somewhat surprised when it finally happened. But they're not going to overuse it because they don't overuse almost anything else. If anything, they underuse things. And I always prefer that with my franchises and my Star Wars. Um, every time they try and mind trick someone, it's just out of sheer necessity. But it's also usually a character moment between Kanan and Ezra. You never know if Ezra's going to be able to pull it off. So Kanan is blind in almost the exact way as Daredevil, as I was getting to in, I think, my previous episode. He says he needs description of things sometimes, but he can walk around on his own. And again, the Neo comparison, I think it would be as if Neo could only... Let's say Neo could only exist in the Matrix. This would have been a great twist. It's like, what if Neo became so entwined to the Matrix that he could never leave? He could get back to his physical body. They do play with it in revolutions, but not enough. Um, but what if also Neo could only see Neo could only see things in Matrix code? He would understand the universe in a way no one else possibly could. But he also couldn't see a pretty woman in the way that he used to be able to see a pretty woman. Like when he sees Persephone, that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman, Persephone, played by the amazing Italian actress whose name I'm blanking on. God, she's one of the most stunning women ever, um, like, like in history. Um, but, uh, you know, can, can he see her for how beautiful she is to us physically or just her code? It's like Kanan can just see the code. And, you know, there's that predictable but still sweet line to Hera. Um, we're with Hera in the final, you know, acts of the series where he says, I wish I could see you. And Hera says, you could always see me. You know, you can see her in the important way. Their attraction's not based just on physical attraction. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I lost track of where this episode was going. I forgot that, yeah, the first, over the first half was them having to learn to get along again, and, and neither, it, it's interesting because it's so clearly a, like, team-building w- workshop. I mean, that's exactly what just happened, it was just like, you know, you take the corporation to a team-building company, and you climb a rope wall together, and so forth, like, that was just team-building exercises back there, but, you know, they immediately realize that they, they need it. It, it, right, and here's Kanan. This is a direct mirror to the very first episode where he says, Kid, you can keep the holocron and my lightsaber, or you can give it back to me, both of those things back to me, and I can teach you the ways of, of the Jedi. And we, of course, know what Ezra chooses, and he ch- makes the right choice here. Right. The, right, so now the dark sidedness is just coming from normal kid stuff, being angry and worried about friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best lines of the series it's usually between those two <laughs> where he keeps saying you have to relax i am relaxed you don't sound relaxed i look relaxed of course kanan can't see him but the funniness isn't actually that just like kanan can't see him it's just the line that you know i look relaxed he's like you know ezra's the guy that is always looking for the last word even when like the conversation dictates there shouldn't be one and when they, they play it for cute laughs, it, it works great. 
follow the sound of my voice. Ezra's already ready to murder him. Yeah. So, you know, Tim and I, Tim Drossi, who did the Twilight of the Apprentice content with me, which was great. Uh, we were a little bit of a different mind about uh, the level to which Ezra trusted or did not trust Maul in Twilight. I think on many repeat watchings, I don't think Ezra ever really sees things the way Maul sees. Like, he's he's never empathic to Maul's plans. It's always about helping his friends. And it, 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 any of the dark sidedness comes from the holocron, which seems to you know be the case with the opening episode of the season that hopefully you, you join me for before this, that it was coming from the holocron. Ezra still always ends up doing the right thing. And really, once he gets past his bizarre relationship with Maul, from now till the end of the series, Ezra is always doing the right thing. And I think one of the, the, the something that was inevitable was that in the final season, this being a kid show and a Disney show, whoop, he's going to try to send, try, try again. Yeah. That's a Disney line. Try, try again. Um, shoot him out the airlock, Battlestar Galactica style. It's a, it's a, it's an age old, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sport? No. Uh, 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 it's an age-old tradition. Shooting people you don't like out the airlock. It's too, unfortunately, he's a Jedi. But, uh, you know, I, I've talked somewhat about watching Ezra and Rey grow up together. And the fact that there are so many obvious similarities between Ezra and Rey, but you never, ever feel like it's the same character I mean, it helps they're being written and produced by completely different teams, but, uh, you know, like all the parallels between Ray and Ezra have to do with just them being, you know, light side Medawans, going back to Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka and when Anakin wasn't a murderous lunatic and so forth, um, as opposed to any like direct like, oh, we're going to make Ezra and Ray have all of these things similar. Like, no, 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 you don't need any of that. So, right, so this episode happens too early in the season, and then there's too long of a wait before they go. I think if they could redo this, they would have pushed this to, like, episode seven, and then immediately episode eight, in a two-parter, would have been going to Dathomir. Um, Because nothing, either plot or character-wise, I don't believe significant happened to Ezra between now and five, six, seven episodes later, where they go to Dathomir, and Ezra has to, you know give Maul access to his brain again, and then, you know, <laughs> uh, Kanan and, and Sabine get taken over by the Night Sisters and, you know, Clone Wars stuff. It's it's cool. It looks cool. This is amazing, though. I, you know, I, I, this whole episode is worth it just for this gloriousness. So my initial idea, which I'm still using, is that in order to consciously open world between worlds without like one of those stargates, which are very hard to find and open as we see in a world between worlds season four. So in my book or manuscript or whatever script, uh, that I'm doing with the Sokan Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Um, th- so this was, you know, again, before they had, we knew anything about time travel. I, my whole idea was became, came beca- from, for plot reasons, which was how do we get a, how do I get, I want Ahsoka to have an adventure with Obi-Wan before the original trilogy 
but not too long before, like sometime between the Clone Wars and this, like ten years after Clone Wars, ten years before you know events of New Hope or whatever. But how can we, how can we have Obi Wan age and have time pass in the story, but not leave Luke? Well, if they time travel, then then years could go by, and then he could come back, and no time will have passed at all. It takes care of a lot of the problems, but also opens up new doors, literally and figuratively. This is great. Kane, you can see right. Okay, this is straight from the Matrix. This shot here, this shot is exactly how. Uh, Neo sees, uh, I believe, Smith right before Smith is is eliminated. Yeah, the bright, the super bright light is like walking into the source. The end of Matrix Reloaded. Um, but anyways, so the trigger for my time travel, but was going to be the holocron, and I still think it works. I think that's how Ahsoka, in my version of Ahsoka, if it if it ever gets picked up by Disney, which would be amazing, my version is she ha- she finds a holocron, and one of the things it does is open world between worlds. Even though she has to go to Jedi temples, is is my twist. So she does have to be at a certain place, but there's way more Jedi temples than there are like stargates, ancient stargates into the world between worlds. So she's going to use them consciously. So she knows the only way she'll get Obi-Wan to come with her is to do it on Tatooine, and she needs him anyway. She needs his power, and they go back a long way, to say the least. God, that's gorgeous with the holocron. So I think I'm, gonna, I'm going to maintain that aspect, that the, the mechanism of time travel being world between worlds, which is even way better because you, you can just travel between worlds. It doesn't have to be time. It could be physical space or space-time, time, whatever. Um, but yeah, so having a, like, a, like a gray side, like a neutral holocron, a purple holocron or something i think yeah well you guys have to see when it's published hopefully i'm gonna release it for free online at least part of it so they don't even tease only through the light of the holocrons right did we get the obi-wan do i i totally missed if we if there was if if the Obi-Wan... I don't think the whole Twin Suns thing happens until the next episode when they meet on Dathomir. Right, places, some planets, some familiar, some not. I'm sure we'll find out together. There's the family. Very concise. Look, it's it's an extremely good episode. Um, Or I should say extremely solid episode. I just don't think... Um, I think they should have... I'm just going to look. I'll let you guys go. Um, I'll move on to the next commentary. So this is episode two or three. And then... Visions and Voices, where the this ritual continues on Dathomir, isn't until episode like 10 or 11. And then it's right to go to Geonosis with Saw. So I feel like there would have been a way to make this episode happen a little later, and then the Dathomir episode of uh, Visions of Voice happen a little earlier, even if it wasn't back-to-back. So it was more in your head, but it was more mid-season. Um, and then, you know, Twin Suns doesn't happen until right before the final two-parter. Um, and so by then, you forgot about Maul again. I guess that was the idea was, I think, you know, they knew that Thrawn was going to be there both this season and the final season four, and they always knew it was going to be four seasons. So they're like, well, okay, who else can we sprinkle in? I think it's interesting besides Hondo, and Maul was just sort of that guy. And I think if there's any criticism, it's it's actually a compliment to Sam Whitworth, the voice actor, where they maybe felt overconfident. They're, not overconfident, but they're like, he's so great as well. We can just give him anything, even if it doesn't make total sense, and he'll make gold out of it. And for the most part, Whitworth does. But, um, you know, I, I think they... they 
they either missed some opportunities to do some different stuff, maybe have them on more often, or they just lingered on this one plot point way too long and it, it, it felt just like a way to tie in Tatooine and hear Baby Luke and but but also see where Obi-Wan's up to. I mean, it was a big deal to see Obi-Wan you know, before episode four, like a year or two before episode four. Um, and so if that was the main le- the reason to do it, to get some Obi-Wan update, that's great. And it doesn't affect my timeline at all because mine happens about, oh, I don't know. At the moment, I only have this happening about four of my books for like five years before these events, but I might have to, I might have to make it even like Luke be like a three year old rather than a 10 year old, which is what I think he's in my book right now. So anyways, thank you for joining me. Um, super fun as always. Next one is Antilles Extraction where we meet Wedge, who's a fine side character in Rebels. He's my favorite side character in the original children. I love Wedge. I always wanted to be Wedge, you know, the best. I didn't need to be Luke Skywalker. I just wanted to be the best pilot, the veteran pilot. Um, who, you know, who got to co-blow up this, the Death Star. Uh, but this, this kid is way too young and looks nothing like Dennis Lawson. Who cares? Uh, and then we get Hera's Heroes, where we learn, learn about the art and Thrawn's obsession with it. The last battle, where they have to fight the droid units, which is an episode that, before I saw the Clone Wars, I was so eye-rolling to me, because I was so over Roger Rogers, like, you know, 10 years ago. But it's actually quite endearing uh, and fairly well-written. Um then we we go back uh to concord dawn with fenra out to to try and get some uh some traction with the the mandalorians um and then there's some uh, you know then there's a bunch of standalone episodes uh before the the mall stuff um we get we get saw with the ghost of genosis right in the middle and then we start really building up with the, the dark saber and mandalore double episode with sabine late leading up to the final battle which as i've said there are some logistical logistical problems with the final battle mostly though really solid it's just a collection of really great episodes this season but there seem to be like season two is like a, a uh, it's like if you take the last three episodes of season th- um one uh, and, and, with the, and then with the introduction of Soka and Vader, and then take all of season two, ending with Twilight of the Princess, that all felt like one giant arc, which is exactly how Battlestar is structured. If you take the final three, two or three episodes of, uh, like, the, the last gleaming of Cobalt, final two episodes of Battlestar season one, and then, you know, the first, like, 12 episodes of Battlestar season two, or you, but you could argue all the way through, actually, all the way through season two, and the Pegasus movie is one giant story that, you know, it, they build up to with good not great episodes in the beginning of season one as always happens when you're getting your feet under you and then season three and season four it's you know it's going to be hard to replicate that feat but by building back towards the Lothal with the joining of the rebellion I would argue starting with the side episodes coming up in a few is when it really gets there so we'll go through this together continue this ride through season three of rebels until we get all the way to the end of season four thank you for joining me you awesome awesome people have a wonderful day or night this This has been The Bizzle, but for now, The Bizzlecast is out.